six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Kalorn. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kaloric. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kaloric out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. So we've got a little bit of extra time to kill before the next show comes on. Um, once again, we'll remind you of the WCBN schedule. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 6 to 6.30 if you want to tune in to WCBN Sports. Well, uh, <laughs> good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and... Uh, Oh, Jim Dwyer may have gotten involved in that snafu over at Packard. Uh, there's uh, some construction, uh, temporary construction problems. Yeah, uh, Andrew's not here, so uh, we're sort of scrambling here doing a relay uh, situation. We look kind of like the Three Stooges, but there's only two of us. And uh, uh, My chair is all wobbly. Mo... Uh, was in charge of the American government back in the late 60s. That's Richard Nixon. Uh, Reagan was curly. And uh, the wanker, George W. Bush, was definitely curly. Reagan was Larry, you know. Uh, I don't know. I could make an argument for uh, kind of W a as Shemp. Yeah. Because everybody kind of, you know, curly was the one that you felt sorry for. Yeah. And- uh, he was the the best natured of the lot, <laughs> and Larry, of course, had the lovely hair. But uh, Shemp is the one. Every time you were watching the show, uh, and Shemp was on, people would go, "Oh, it's a Shemp episode." Shemp episode, yeah. <laughs> Not quite as endearing as the rest of those. Well, fresh fellows. Well, yeah, the, I was I was telling the road the, work is the public uh, uh, about road work, and I thought, oh, he got caught in the inbound Packard uh, disaster over near South Quad. Yeah, it's sort of an on-again, off-again road closure. Yeah, they're working on how um, they're able to uh, maneuver game traffic around all of this road work is is really mind-boggling. Well, they're working, I think, on sewage uh, issues over there, uh, and of course, that's part of the infrastructure. Yep. Uh, disaster that uh, confronts many, many jurisdictions around America, and uh, certainly uh, one area of government spending that needs to increase is uh, domestic uh, infrastructure spending. Uh, We don't need to rebuild Afghanistan or Iraq. Those are uh, lost causes. (laughs) Uh, We need to work uh, on uh, situations here at home. At least uh, that's my opinion. In any event, uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know, sort of a week of reorganization. A lot of of things uh, are still up in the air regarding the elections, Mideast peace uh, issues, uh, problems continuing in Pakistan with the disastrous flooding that uh, continues as we... Yeah, there's bad flooding in India as well. The entire region is... uh... This flooding has been actually still occurring in in parts of Pakistan and it's uh 
astonishing now that 21 million people are affected. Pakistan, of course, is a little bigger than Texas, but the size affected is approximately the size of Great Britain, England. It's it's amazing uh, how many people are probably going to be permanently affected. And this well, is, some of it is agricultural land, too, yeah. and so that represents other costs and other losses that uh, will affect the economy and the living uh, standard, and such as, as it is in Pakistan. And as we saw... Um, uh, this summer with the fires in Russia, which affected wheat uh, production with uh, wheat prices going up. Cotton has been uh, egregiously affected in the Pakistan area, so your uh, your cheap uh, clothes may go up a little bit in price this year. So if you're going to do some Christmas shopping, get it done early. Well, the uh, <laughs> Gulf states, uh, Persian Gulf, uh, did a little Christmas shopping. Yeah, uh, yeah I saw that. Article uh, from the 22nd of September, Gulf in $123 billion U.S. arms spree. Well, although jobs is jobs, uh, this is uh, the wrong way to go about uh, reestablishing economic stability. Uh, at the cost of uh, international geopolitical stability. Uh, we've got enough problems uh, in the Middle East with it armed as it already is. Uh, certainly adding more weapons into the mix uh, is really um, just a matter of time before it turns into another setback, another unintended series of mishaps. Well, and of course, the largest recipient of those arms is Saudi Arabia and... Uh... That's not exactly the most stable situation uh, at the moment. Uh, that uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't get too much uh, negative media here in the United States because they're uh, so crucial in terms of global uh, oil uh, production. And uh, only country in the world named after its ruling family. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, during the Yalta conference, I just read a his history book a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, FDR left Yalta kind of uh, suddenly. Uh, Winston Churchill was allegedly flabbergasted. Um, and Stalin, uh, disappointed and angry because he said there were a lot of things to s settle up. Uh, so a lot of the business at Yalta was not uh, concluded in their minds. But, of course, in FDR's mind, they sort of were. And he had left people behind to left deal people with those behind, issues. Left people behind to sort of fine-tune things. He basically just wanted to solve the uh, Russian entry into the uh, war against Japan mm -hmm. and get a, a basic working agreement for the creation of the United Nations, which he got. Uh, other thorny issues included things like German reparations, German occupation, dealing with German war criminals, uh, free liberated elections uh, issues, and... Uh, Several other uh, pressing needs, but in any event, FDR raced off to the uh, to meet the king of Saudi Arabia to, uh, shall we say, button down those oil agreements for the future. Because uh, uh, before World War II, America was a exporter of oil, mm -hmm. uh, and by uh, the early fifties, we were an importer of oil. And well, it's important to remember too the kind of forgotten uh, nature of 
oil's role in the beginning of World War II. Sure. That there was the German rush to the uh, Romanian oil fields. The strategy of Germany. The strategy of uh, German military operations. And, of course, Japan's entry in the war, the attack on Pearl Harbor, was largely predicated by America's... Uh, refusal to sell any more oil and steel. Yeah, they they cut them off in the summer of 41, and Japan relied uh, approximately 75 to 80% on oil and so-called petroleum oil, petroleum and lubricants products Mm -hmm. from, ironically, America, which had been trading with Japan uh, before that time. Of course, Japan's uh, entry into World War II, so to speak, really started in 1931 with their invasion of Manchuria. That the League of Nations, incidentally, was unwilling or unable to deal with as a international diplomatic issue. But in any case, FDR met the three kings, mm-hmm. the king of Egypt, the king of Morocco, and the king of Saudi Arabia. Uh, first time, by the way, the king of Saudi Arabia had ever left Saudi soil. Uh, yeah, met they met on uh, a boat. A battleship, I yeah, believe. battleship in the uh, Persian Gulf, Red Sea uh, area. So, uh, very important. Uh, and, of course, that was the alliance that was uh, created, uh, and they sort of, shall we say, didn't really deal with the uh, Palace, Palestine issue, which, of course, Israel is not a nation-state yet as such, and they sort of papered over uh, the potential conflict involved uh, regarding uh, the creation of Israel, and of course Israel has been in the news quite a bit uh, these past weeks with the uh, ongoing negotiations. That well, the cement flows again in the settlements. Yeah, seems to be stumbling around, bumbling around. It's also interesting to note, by the way, that the uh, three United Nations uh, human rights experts appointed last week uh, issued a report and found that the... Uh, Israeli in, uh, raid of the Gaza-bound flotilla in May, which killed nine activists, was uh, a violation of international law. Needless to say, the Israeli foreign minister, this is an AP story from the 23rd of uh, September, the Israeli foreign minister responded by saying that the Human Rights Council had, quote, a biased, politicized, and extremist approach. The group Hamas, which controls Gaza, praised the report and called for those involved in the raid to be brought to trial. Israel refused to cooperate with the panel, but is working with a separate U.N. group that is also examining the incident. Well, don't count on any trials. And uh, maybe uh, if there are uh, any mice out there that have human brains... Maybe they can be on the on the panel because, of course, uh, it's now emerged that back in 2007, Christine O'Donnell, who uh, seems to have had a penchant for appearing on television uh, with some of the most bizarre comments uh, ever heard on television, uh, claimed uh, in her opposition to uh, stem cell research was because, as she puts it, quote, American scientific companies are crossbreedings humans and animals and are coming up with mice with fully functioning human brains. Apparently she's read Mrs. Frisbee and The Secret of Nim and uh, a famous children's book, a winner of the prestigious Newbery Award, um, and thinks it's a, based on science fact. 
that is another example of I mean she's the I heard your show last week I was of yeah. course uh, had school related duties and uh, so while driving back to school for our capsule night I was listening to the show and the hilarious hijinks and uh, yeah educational antics of uh, Christine O'Donnell uh, an expert on masturbation and apparently uh, now thinks that there are mice with fully functioning human brains running around there's this <laughs> and this is weird to use this phrase even yeah uh, because the tea party is already a sort of a fringe element but the fringe of the fringe that really is so politically uh, clueless or naive that they're they seem to mistake the political process for a reality TV show. Yeah. And that this is, all the cameras are on me. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Um, She's got a future in television as a, uh, a comedian with, uh, you know, all she has to do is, is, is utter what she really thinks rather than come up with any punchlines. Because well, uh, there is both humor and horror in what she indeed. says. And actually, you know... There's an interesting piece here uh, by Jacob Weisberg uh, about uh, how Sarah Palin stands to benefit regardless of whether the Tea Party uh, wins or loses sure. in these elections. And uh, I mean, he talks about the, the potential split this represents for the Republican Party. Uh, you know, all the media attention is on, oh, it's going to be a tough run for the Democrats. But the Republicans, as we've been talking about down here, are at as much of a under uh, a pincher uh, as the uh Democrats, as far as the elections are concerned. Yeah, I mean, as they say, they're going to have a disposal problem. <laughs> Here's uh, uh, Jacob Weisberg writes that the uh, a contrary Republican view uh, to this enthusiastic embrace of the Tea Party is clear in the revulsion of party elders from moderates such as Colin Powell to conservatives such as Rove and Gingrich. These latter two had harsh words for Christine O'Donnell the Tea Party winner in Delaware, before Miss Palin bludgeoned them into line. The broader worry is that Tea Party candidates are too fanatical, politically unskilled, and too bizarre to win. Uh, but he makes an interesting analogy here, uh, saying an, an unpromising antecedent for the present moment is Pat Buchanan's fiery challenge to the first President Bush in 1992. Like Ms. Palin, Mr. Buchanan immensely enjoyed the attention he got as he rallied the, quote, peasants with pitchforks. Like Ms. Palin, he was unconcerned with the damage his spree might do to the party. This disregard for the larger cause and longer term also characterized Mr. Gingrich's cadres, who wildly overplayed their hand after winning in 1994. Uh, he posits at the end of his piece that uh, win or lose with the Tea Party, that Sarah Palin, uh, although probably unlikely to be a candidate for president, will probably position herself as a kingmaker. Yes. God save the queen. <laughs> and of course her daughter's been uh, dancing on TV. Yeah. I and... love the way she just ripped it off. That's the sound bite they're showing on Fox as a promo for the show. Oh. Sarah Palin talking about her daughter whipping off her outer blouse oh did she have a janet jackson moment oh it was an intentional thing sort of a sexy play to the camera oh that was great when she whipped it off oh whipped it <laughs> off well uh, christine o'donnell seems to know something about whipping off <laughs> uh more of her bizarre comments in upcoming shows uh she is an endless gaggle of goo <laughs> 
Uh, as for the uh, GOP and their disposal problem, of course, they've decided to grab the bull by the horns or the elephant by the tail. I'm a little unclear what their uh, symbol might be uh, in upcoming years. Uh, I thought the elephant never forgot, and it seems that the American people are doing a lot of my, 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 a lot of forgetting about everything. But, of course, the pledge came out last week uh, as sort of... Uh, it was interesting to... Uh, I didn't bring in all the quotes from the various right-wing uh, blogs that uh, attacked the uh, milk toast nature of the pledge and its inadequacy. It's not going far enough and blah, blah, blah. But th these people are living in fantasy land. Uh, their main issue seems to be, of course, the deficit... And as we've noted in uh, recent years, uh, recent shows, I should say, um, the historical record is clear regarding Bush's tax cuts uh, that, that go way back. And, of course, we're continuing to have a debate about those making the tax cuts permanent. Uh, the Republican Party filibustered the uh, the proposal to basically extend tax cuts to 98 percent of the people. The Democrats couldn't muster up the filibuster vote, so they took the bill off the table, which I think was probably a strategic blunder by Harry Reid. Mm. But there are a, a lot of very complicated Senate rules regarding filibusters that uh, some of the critics of the Democratic Party may be overlooking. <laughs> Basically, 51 Democrats have to sit in the Senate while the filibuster goes on uh, to maintain the quorum and... Mm. Um, I don't know if America would, would, would like to hear J Jim DeMint, Jim Bunning, Tom Coburn, and this sort of motley crew of really the antecedents, uh, to borrow a word that you just used, of the Tea Party. Yeah. Jim DeMint is actually emerging as the kingmaker in charge in a sort of interesting alliance with Sarah Palin. Um, they came to blows in the New Hampshire primary with Sarah Palin, uh, not supporting the Tea Party candidate there, but Jim right. DeMint supporting it, and uh, Sarah Palin's candidate narrowly won. But uh, regarding the deficits, uh, it's noted that the first Bush tax cuts created a report by um, the Congressional Budget Office, and I'm looking at a clipping from 2002, in which the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office said that the surpluses like the 237 billion surplus recorded in the last year of Bill Clinton's tenure won't resume until Bush's tax cuts expire in 2010, as current law requires, and only if Congress keeps a lid on military spending and social spending. Uh, good luck. This, of course, is before the Iraq War, which uh, has cost America. Uh, close to $800 billion and is still counting. Um, the Iraq war was not paid for. And it's remarkable how the expenditures on defense don't appear anywhere in any of the uh, Republican Party's pledge because they want to maintain current levels of defense spending, even though that accounts for over 50% of discretionary spending per year. These are the facts about the budget. Uh, the uh, American government spends about as much money uh, at the Pentagon every week that all of the so-called earmark money combined totals in a year. It's 50 times that number. 
Um, so these tax cuts for the rich, in fact, are going to add, according to uh, current projections, $1.3 trillion in additional deficits. It's just remarkable uh, um, switch and bait. Uh, according to the New York Times a GOP pledge analysis from a couple of days ago, they note that what the pledge is really advocating is a permanent extension of tax cuts for the top 2%. And all the pledge's proposal would add $3.7 trillion to the nation's debt over the next 10 years, nearly $700 billion more than the administration's proposal, which is uh, tax cuts for the middle class. Mm -hmm. Now, whether Americans can afford tax cuts, period, by the government is another question altogether. But when you have a debate about the proportion that this 2% is getting versus what the middle class would be getting, it's staggering stuff. And needless to say, this uh, gets back to the problem with the 60-vote uh, margin that the Senate Democrats don't have and continue to be wow. unable to, you know, they had a failure on Don't Ask, Don't Tell uh, last week with, of all people, Lady Gaga getting involved. I barely know who Lady Gaga is. I read enough newspapers to know what she sort of looks like. But uh, for her to be um, calling on John McCain to end the filibuster. That's an appeal that falls on deaf ears. <laughs> yeah, you have, uh, well, yeah. I don't want to get into Lady Gaga, but... <laughs> Um, well, you know, three cheers for her for putting in her two cents yeah. as an American citizen and, and as somebody who sells a lot of records, a, a taxpayer of, yeah. of substance. And went up to the state of Maine to urge uh, Susan Collins and Olympia Snow to get on board with the filibuster issue, which they failed to do. Mm -hmm. Even though Susan Collins said, on the substance of the issue, I agree that don't ask, don't tell should be ended, but... For procedural reasons, I'm going to vote no. I'm going to stick with the Republicans. And, of course, Susan Collins is the one that, well, I don't want to get into autism jokes because uh, Sharon Angle's got a market on those. But there's another Tea Party Senate candidate waiting to take over uh, in the uh, uh, U.S. Senate with a pitchfork and uh, maybe a brain of a mouse. <laughs> Well, the uh, GOP's pledge list, nice word, pledge, uh, yeah. could do a whole program in which we they latch onto these phrases which have resonance um, and connotations. Um, the contract with America, of course, is the uh, sort of antecedent of yes. the pledge. And uh, so uh, Pentagon spending might not be on the pledge, but uh, amazingly, in uh, a front-page story dated September 15th of the Financial Times, uh, a headline that made me literally put the paper down and rub my eyes. Um, it's a headline that, of course, most listeners of the program have been aware of for years, but uh, Admiral Mike Mullen, senior military advisor to President Obama, uh, here's the headline. Pentagon must learn austerity, warns Mullen. Ah. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, uh, some people have been saying this for decades. Uh, Mullen, of course, uh, Edward Luce and Daniel Dombey write in this article, is referring to the 20% or more cuts recently announced by America's key European allies. Mullen said the Pentagon had only a limited time 
in which to act before similar changes would be imposed upon the U.S. Um, now, on the one hand, Mullen deserves to be commended for saying this at all. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, his, he's really what he's doing here is positioning himself to protect the nest, which will continue to be feathered. Um, for example, uh, he's, he notes in his comments, uh, this is Mullen speaking here, and he's to be commended for this, too. He uh, believes that America's biggest national security challenge is posed by the rising level of public debt. This is very true. Uh, which is projected to reach 90% of gross domestic product by 2018. Here's the quote by Mullen. Uh, what I am really speaking about is the need for those of us in the Pentagon to be very smart about how we approach this and recognize that we account for about 50% of the discretionary spending that's available in this government. I'm trying to send a message of getting this right now. How does the military merit 50% of no. spending? Yeah. I mean, this is absurd and insane. And uh, austerity uh, is a ludicrous term to use in this context. Right. And it's important to realize that when we talk about, quote, discretionary spending, the important thing to remember is that Social Security, as we can recall from the George Bush Al Gore debates of 2000, is theoretically in a lockbox. But there is no lockbox, <laughs> as we uh, have learned over these many years. In fact, the Social Security taxes that were doubled in 1983, thanks to the Alan Greenspan Commission appointed by Ronald Reagan, doubled payroll taxes to increase the solvency of Social Security. However, in the accounting uh, chicanery and trickery and tomfoolery and skullduggery of the Reagan administration, they borrowed the Social Security taxes that were in surplus to fund other things. Secret wars in Central America. Secret wars in Central America, Star Wars, the uh, I, the uh, um, intermediate uh, missile defense buildup for Western Europe that was then negotiated away after Reagan was caught uh, with his uh, pants down, his hands in the cookie jar, and uh, apparently uh, under a bedpan when he signed a finding to authorize arms sales to Iran, of all countries. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th this stuff is just remarkable. Medicare is not considered discretionary spending, nor is interest on the debt. The, the right. uh, so-called interest on the debt is our bonds that the government basically sells uh, daily, weekly, monthly, etc., to continue this financing of... Uh, Biblical proportions. <laughs> well, indeed, the U.S. defense budget, according to this article here, in the next fiscal year is $567 billion, excluding operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. So those numbers aren't even on the, the map. Right. And, and recall that Bush conveniently put uh, the global war on terror, uh, which, of course, escalated uh, into an invasion of Iraq, quote, off the books. Well... This is uh, chicanery, tomfoolery, skullduggery, and... Uh, Buggery. <laughs> bedpan uh, activity. <laughs> That's all one can say about it. Yeah. The New York Times analysis of the Republicans' documents in which the Republicans promise a, quote, fact-based discussion of the scale of the nation's budget problems... That sounds promising. Yeah. That offers a laundry list of spending cut proposals... 
calling the $862 billion stimulus wasteful and unnecessary. It says Congress should immediately cancel any unspent funds. Well, there aren't much of those. There are, of course, uh, several billion dollars. Um, because the New York Times notes there's not much to cancel. Of the roughly $260 billion left, contracts have already been signed for $150 billion. Another 45 is tax cuts that will soon be claimed. And $33 billion is for safety net spending like food stamps. That leaves $31 billion in investment projects like roads, rail systems. Bridges. Still up for grabs. So let's cancel them and save $31 billion so we can continue to fund the occupation of Iraq, Afghanistan, Diego Garcia, Germany, Korea, Japan, Pakistan. England. Saudi Arabia, England. Uh, Oh, boy, I could just keep going on and on. The United States has military bases in 140 countries, roughly, plus right. or minus 10. And, of course, the unspoken... We were actually kicked out of Iceland recently. Oh. This was a couple years ago. Uh, Iceland decided that we were no longer necessary, uh, you know, for NATO operations since uh, the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact had been dissolved many years ago. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> NATO should have followed, as was argued at the time. Uh, but another unspoken uh, aspect of Mullen's observations here, as uh, prudent, uh, fiscally prudent as they may be, long-term Pentagon uh, perspective-wise, uh, the unspoken thing is that if we had access to that kind of money for roads, sewage, bridges, schools, yeah. health care, public transit, clean energy, we'd be living in a paradise. So... What's up? Well, Congress uh, has the bizarre penchant of uh, actually offering the Pentagon more than they want sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Gates has asked Congress to eliminate a $2.4 billion second engine for the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. Uh, but there's every indication that uh, Congress will keep that in there anyway because it's good for jobs across many states. Jobs indeed. And... Uh... It's interesting when you begin to call some of these fiscal conservatives out on the actual uh, specifics about what they want to cut. They come up empty and uh, get back to talking about mice and men. By the way, I noticed just ironically that uh, the film version of Mice and Men is on later this week with Lon Lon Chaney and Burgess Meredith. I I highly recommend it. Well, it's It's, a fine uh, version. Gee, George. Tell me about the rabbits. <laughs> of course, it led to a great series of Bugs Bunny cartoons. Indeed, it did. And it's a John Steinbeck uh, novella of classic proportions. But uh, Well, of mice and men and parrots. I don't know if you heard about this one. <laughs> From, uh, I immediately uh, thought of the dead parrot. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, pining for the fjords, no doubt. This is from Thursday, September 23rd. Hard copy uh, from the AnnArbor.com or the Ann Arbor News, if you prefer. Uh, a Jackson man. Oh, the headline, man arrested after allegedly abusing pet parrot. And while animal abuse is not funny, this article may make you chuckle. A Jackson man who carries his pet parrot in his backpack was arrested Tuesday night after police said he violently shook the bird, causing enough of a commotion for witnesses to call 911. Uh, what makes this article bizarre is that this incident bizarre is that... Uh, 
The bird fought back, biting the man, leaving one of his thumbs scratched and bloody. The man told the police he was disciplining the bird <laughs> and training it. Oh, boy. Um, apparently by stuffing it into a backpack and shaking it. <laughs> it's soon to be an ex-parrot if it stays in this guy's custody. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> 